Right, well, welcome to Defen. Hello, Ray. Hi. Thank you. How are you? I'm really good, yeah. It's a Sunday evening in Belgium. Yeah, it's Sunday evening here in the Holland too, <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> yeah. All right, so should we say who we are and what we're doing this crazy idea for? Of course. So um, perhaps uh, you want me to start? So Yeah. Okay. So I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Vijay and I've been a Clojure enthusiast and I've been programming Clojure for... Uh, I think nearly five years on and off, uh, not not during my day job though. And uh, I'm also an organizer for um, Functional Rotterdam. I'm, I work in Rotterdam for a company called Lunatech. And um, I'm also a co-organizer for uh, Dutch Closure Day. Uh, we recently had our event uh, in March uh, in, in Amsterdam. Oh, so uh, that was awesome. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm very interested in Closure. I've been following uh, with, uh, with the developments in the Closure world and that's why I, I I wanted to be part of this thing. And of course, you know, I, uh, thanks to you, and now I'm part of this. <laughs> well, I think it was a, it was a really, uh, both of us want to do it, so that's really good. Because um, uh, like you say, we're, we're both big enthusiasts. Um, I have just recently started to help with the Belgian closure meetups, and we had a, a fir our first meeting uh, this year, this last week. And... Um, like you, by day, unfortunately, uh, for better or worse, I'm not programming Clojure yet full time. Um, but I am at night looking at Clojure and Atomic and all kinds of uh, interesting videos on the conferences. I just think the whole Clojure world is is fascinating. It's a beautiful language to write in. It's, it's full of innovation. Uh, the people that are doing it are super friendly. Whenever I go to the conferences, I have a great time. And... Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a very interesting and uh, innovative, exciting field. I think. Yeah. So I think we we, we should probably discuss why why we wanted to do this podcast. Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, I, I I'm 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 trying to be a strong advocate for closure, or at least advocate for closure. Uh, I was uh, um, I gave a talk at DevOps about why closure, and I would like to help, or at least you know do my part in. in making the community better and get more people to know about closure and possibly you know get exposed to the awesomeness of closure <laughs> like I yeah did. i mean we're, we absolutely share that passion i think um that's clear that we're both very keen advocates of it um and uh, also there's only really one or two podcasts around closure there is uh, the cognicast of course from from uh, the cognitech guys um and then there's think geekery uh, functional geekery uh, but really the closure podcast world is pretty sparse so i think one more podcast can't do any harm and it would be nice to see several closure podcasts so hopefully we're in at the start um we we can uh, make a bit of an impact but but i think anything and every option to discuss closure is a good one as far as i'm concerned indeed yeah yeah but um i should probably warn if there is somebody listening to this one that you know i'm very new to podcasts and this is the first well, time yeah. <laughs> we're both starting out on this one this is our first podcast so yeah let's hope that people treat us with a little bit of uh, patience yeah so you're being warned if you're listening to this <laughs> yes and uh the, the good thing is we're, we're looking for for feedback we've got various ways to communicate we'll 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 put some information out about that about how we can how you guys can give us feedback and follow up and that kind of stuff um 
So maybe we should talk a little bit about what we're going to do with the show. Um, That Obviously, we're going to talk about closure and closure script. And our idea was to try and discuss various features of a language, have a 25 minutes, half an hour kind of feature discussion of some type in a podcast. Um, So this first one, we'll just talk about closure and closure script in general, about why we like it, what the motivations are, why we think it's an interesting technology. Um... And then also maybe after that, we'll discuss a bit about uh, events that are upcoming, um, blog posts or news in the in the community. Um, just feature that a little bit to give people some shout outs for, for changes that are happening. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And uh, of course, as you said, I mean, we'll, we'll pick some topic that, that we'll be discussing. I, I think we'll have sometimes difference of opinions that should make the show more colorful, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Not too and, much, hopefully. Uh, I think uh, yeah. hopefully we can we can be civilized with our differences of opinions, at least. Of course, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and uh, the, it, as you said, I mean, let's let's try to keep it like uh, less than an hour. Um, and then every two weeks we try to do do this thing again, and then publish it, and then get the feedback from the people and what they what they think about it. Um, as you said, we'll also try to. Yeah, because I follow a lot of closure news, and obviously you're also doing that as well. So we'd like to share some things in case you know people are not uh, people miss something. Then we'll we'll try to get that into the into the light. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Good. So okay. So that's the uh, the introductory and background stuff out of the way. So um, should we crack on with uh, the this week's topic? Yeah. Which so, is which is just what the what the hell is closure? Exactly, and and what. <laughs> Why should somebody pay attention to closure? So there, there, are, there are two different uh, things that we would like to discuss today, I think. So what is closure? So closure is essentially a Lisp uh, that runs on JVM and uh, JavaScript platforms. And um, well, that, that should say a lot in terms of what closure is because Lisp is one of those languages that has been uh, there forever. Uh, and since the beginning, apart from Fortran, since the beginning, or at least you know, beginning in terms of the reasonable languages to code in, and um, so the closure is uh, currently running on Java VM, uh, the JVM-based uh, closure, and also on JavaScript, which is called Closure Script. And uh, there, there are some um, unique selling points of closure. First of all, because it's a Lisp, it's a dynamic language, and um, well, dynamic but compiled language compared to the other dynamic and you know, interpreted languages. And um, the REPL is one of the major feature of, uh, of LISPs. And maybe uh, we should just explain a bit about what the REPL is for, yeah. like, because I guess there's some people. Hopefully, there's some people who don't know much about Closure or Closure Script who are listening. So um, maybe we should explain a little bit about what a REPL is. Of course, of course. So um, I think REPL essentially means uh, R-E-P-L, which is uh, Read, Eval, and Print Loop. So there are distinct stages of a program. Uh, when you write a program, when you write it into REPL, and the forms are read, and there is a reader step, and then, then they are evaluated. So at the reader level, uh, the, date, the code that you typed in, which is the text, which is converted into like an abstract syntax tree or, or a form. And then eval is the step where it actually evaluates whatever the form that you put in into the program. And then there is a print. So because you want to know what happened to the thing, so it's going to print. And then this, this thing goes in a loop. So this is essentially how you build your program. You you put the forms in, they are read, they are evaluated, and you get the feedback in terms of the printing, and then this is basically a, a loop. So in some languages, essentially these days every language, and even Java from Java 9, 
they, they are going to have a repel, uh, I should say quote unquote repel, because uh, there is no reader step in them. So that's essentially providing some sort of a quick interpreter level uh, things. So that is the that is what I think you know repel is. Uh, hmm. Do you think it? I think what's what's no. I think what's interesting about 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 Lisp though is that um, I don't know about you. I mean, for, but for me, I find that. If I if I program in like Java or Node or or some other language, <clears throat> excuse me, I uh, I very rarely reach for the REPL by default. You know, whereas with Clojure um, and ClojureScript and, and and these kind of languages, I'm always in the REPL. It's 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 such a such a different way of programming, actually. Yeah, that's true. It's much more organic. I mean, you you're uh, so I was. Um... Actually, I would like to quote from the the Joy of Closure. You know, they say there is a you know in the other languages you have this long thought code feedback loop. So there is a lot of lag between okay, I thought of some idea, now I want I'm trying I'm going to write the code, and then I need to get the feedback by running the code, and then I see the well whether it worked or not, and then there is I go back to thinking again. Now there is a lot of lag in the other other languages when you're when you're compiling the code, when you're running it, and we're waiting for the results, and and then you go back. But in terms of REPL, that lag is very minimal. You know, REPL-based mm. languages like especially Lisp or Clojure. So that is one of the interesting facts or interesting uh, things that we have in Clojure that um, that other programming languages are, are still trying to caught up. So nowadays, I mean, other languages have have REPLs, but they are they are fairly limited in in my opinion, at least from my experience. Yeah, I think also what what's interesting about about closure and, and lisps in general is that you tend to write sort of one or two line functions which the REPL is very good for so you know you can you can experiment with forms to say okay I want to read this data structure in I want to do some filtering or some mapping apply some apply some logic to it and you can normally achieve that within like one or two lines three lines you know if you're crazy you go five or six lines in a function but yeah. um, but but and you can you can kind of write that at the REPL, get some feedback, put some like it's almost like test driven development, but it's like it's but it's that seems a bit overkill because it's like this REPL driven development where you're you're just putting in some some basic data in like a list or a vector or a map or whatever, yeah. then you're just kind of iterating through it with your functions. Yeah. And then you can eventually, once you're kind of happy with that, you can like bake that off into a file somewhere and, you know, then compose it with different functions. But you can do all of this kind of stuff through the REPL, which is, I think that's really, I don't know, it's a, it's kind of the kind of thing which is a bit surprising because it feels so different to other languages where you have to go through this, like you said, compile, um, run, loop and yeah. you have to wait all this long time until you get your feedback yeah. whereas in in the in the enclosure and in lisps in general everything tends to be very quick yeah very very organic, very, very organic yeah. Yeah, yeah and that's uh that's a kind of unusual aspect to it but it's and it's hard to you know we're talking about it now you have to kind of do it to feel it as it were you know it's a bit like like driving a car or whatever you know the feedback loop is there straight away you're, you're live you're in it it's of um, course yeah yeah and I think, but it's 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 interesting. We talk about it as the first thing because it's it is definitely the first thing you see about about closure. You can you can just get started with Hello World in like in two minutes in the REPL, yeah. And you're getting productive. You're getting feedback. You don't have to. There's not a lot of syntax with it, and you know you can just get going pretty quickly. I think. 
Yeah, and the ripple the... really favours that kind of organic. You know, I love the word organic. It's it's you know, this this is um, a, a key aspect I think for for closure and closure script. Yeah, that's true. And also the the other features that that closure gives us. I mean, compared to the list, you know, like one of the major major themes behind closure itself is a functional and also immutable by default you know language. Uh, so the data structures that we have in closure that that gives uh, all the persistent data structures which are immutable by by default, so you don't need to reach for, oh, there, is, there a, is there an immutable version here? I need to use it here. And that makes the program very safe in terms of you can just pass the data around without even uh, worrying about if somebody else is going to you know, pull the rug under, under me. Yeah, uh, that by, makes by, it more predictable, doesn't it? It makes it more you can you can think about what's actually going to happen. You can be you can be yeah. I think predictability is the word, isn't it? You know, you yeah. you, you know that if you're safe, you 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 know that things aren't going to change underneath you. They're very stable. Um, but that's a kind of again a bit of an odd thing for many programmers. I think this concept of um, like immutable persistent data structures. Yeah, yeah, completely. And then there is the the functional programming aspect of it uh, obviously these days you know functional programming is the is the i don't know holy grail of uh, getting ready to the parallel world uh, so the functional programming which makes you know functions as the as the primitives and everything is a function enclosure which makes uh, you know the whole simplicity of of writing code and writing and structuring the program that makes it super powerful as well so the all the higher order functions, you know, uh, and and the way you structure the code is different, and also it's it's there are some lazy uh, evaluation enclosure as well, and um, that that well the definition of functional programming varies between different languages. I mean, every language has their own way of uh, defining what is functional programming and what is not. But in my opinion, as long as there is a functions have, uh, as the first class uh, things available in the in the language. And also a little bit of immutability. I think that's the that's the that's the fundamental things that you need to have in a functional programming language. I think you're right to mention laziness, though, as well, yeah. um, because that's the if, if you know the, the daddy of all programming, all functional programming languages today is Haskell, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And uh, one thing they emphasise is um, laziness. So that, and again, but I mean, I I I, I look back at um, the history, and I look back at um, I don't know if you you read the SICP or saw the videos yeah. for SICP. Yeah, yeah. Um, but going back to SICP, they're always about about laziness in their processing as well. Yeah. So you know, Haskell certainly didn't invent that. It was actually from Lisp. Yeah. Um, well, actually, I don't know if it was from Lisp, but that's the first I heard of it anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there is this in interesting thing about simplicity these days because um, uh, I read recently about um, uh, Gerald Sussman who, who wrote the SICP as well, and he was talking about nowadays programming is more about programming by poking. You know, you don't, <laughs> you don't have anything. You're not building from the smaller tools anymore. I mean, you don't need to know about what is what is there and, and underlying layer. I mean, nobody knows about the uh, processor architecture, or nobody is worried about you know how this is going to be translated into the native code because we we are we are um, at least you know seven or six levels removed from the abstraction. There are there are so many abstraction levels, and you are essentially writing JavaScript that runs on uh, I don't know V8 VM or something, and then there is another level of uh, abstraction and these days the, the simplicity is 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 one of the key things you know you, you need to write simple programs but it is very difficult to express it's very difficult to explain because every programming language comes up with a lot of boilerplate and there is no 
there is there is a lot of incidental complexity you have to do this thing you know you have to start with huge class or whatever and then well not not at the cobol level you know at least we have better things these days <laughs> but that is one thing that is very attractive in terms of closure it's it's it, i think it, it makes the right trade offs in my opinion uh, in terms of being flexible in terms of being powerful at the same time and the, the concurrency primitive that is something that is very interesting in closure as well yeah but i think i think you're right is that uh, we it's it's um there's certainly patterns of usage of closure which are stripped down um so keep it keep it simple keep it doing one thing keep it composable keep it based around data rather than apis um these are the kind of things which are important to make things easier to to uh, understand what's going on at the foundation yeah. um and I think that's a that's something which we really see in things like um, Java shops and .NET shops is that you get a lot of code generated for you, you know, yeah. and and they claim that that's easier. And in some respects, of course, they're true. It is easier. You know, you just push buttons, you press next, 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 and hey, presto, you've got a you know a thousand lines of code. Um, the problem is you don't understand what the hell those thousand lines of code do. Yeah, I mean, you can't you know, reason about that such a big system in terms of that one that is the, that, that's what i think you're you're uh, you're you're focusing you're pointing out the right thing like the composability you know and and data centric programming so it's not just about uh, defining how to connect these pieces but also data is the biggest thing in closure you you first think about the data and then how you interact with other systems is essentially with data and and probably we should explain you know how we, we we use closure and what are the use cases that are that are most important right now yeah yeah uh, because i mean certainly actually it's funny enough um i think i mentioned uh at the beginning that i'm doing this belgian closure meetup and we had a a meetup this week to talk about closure script and closure defaults and and so a lot of the stuff we're talking about now and one of the questions came up was about the use cases. What is the niche for closure? Um, and I think it's it's interesting that you know some some of these uh, languages like JavaScript tends to um, have been the browser, but I don't think that's necessarily a niche. I think that's just an accident of history. Um, but I think Scala and Python seem to be the big data um, languages. And yet, I would say actually. Um, although it's still early days, I would say Clojure has got a great chance to become a, a big data language. Yeah, yeah, I agree because it's as, as we were discussing. You know, data is the central point in in Clojure because you are essentially. I think there is one quote that says, you know, it's better to have hundred functions working on five data structures rather than the other way around. So I think Clojure's fundamental philosophy of data being the central point. Of, of the language and of the programs, I think it makes sense that it pick up in the big data browsing a lot. And there is uh, toolkits like, and there is a frameworks like Onyx, for example, which is um, uh, one of the competitors to Storm and like batch processing and stream processing and how do you process big data. And I would like to see more adoption and closure in big data world. And that, that because that is the right, like fits like a glove or something. Yeah, I think that what's interesting as well now is that, um, that the Onyx team really is a team. You know, they're they're actually going full time on it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not just a. I think in the past a lot of these items like Casca log and stuff like that have been 
you know, bits of sugar over over Hadoop frameworks. Exactly. Um, not really rethinking stuff from a closure perspective. Yes. Um, but if you look at Onyx, Onyx really is screw this. Yeah. We're doing an Onyx. We're doing a closure first yep. take of big data, um, which is, I think, really exciting. I mean, I, I've got a lot of I've got a lot of respect for Michael Dragalis and yeah. um, is Lucas. it uh, Lucas Bradstreet? Yeah. Those guys are doing really well. They're building another team around them as well. Yeah. Um, and so they've got a lot of contributors. Um, I've I've uh, chatted online to these guys as well, and they're always very polite, very respectful, very helpful. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's, they've got a great future in that framework because I, I think that really is a data first framework. And so, fingers crossed, if we can if we can get a bit of adoption of that one, then we can start to see closure really as a big data use case. Uh, sorry, we can see closure as a good fit. I, I think I see it. I think you see it. Yeah. Um, obviously, the Onyx guys see it. Of course. Um, <laughs> fingers crossed we can we can make a bit of a splash with that one. Yeah, that's true. And also there is the standard uh, you know, web development stuff, which has been a yeah. pretty interesting um, field in enclosure-related things. So there, there has been, initially there was this whole discussion about you know, why there is no Rails enclosure. And because as, uh-huh. as a community, I think, uh, closure feels more like um, you know driving Sinatra towards probably exactly like a smaller um, library driven things instead of just making a big bang frameworks but um there is you know ring and composure well ring being a bit more low level and um, composure and you you can you can always pick the right pieces together and build your own framework but there is also some nice guidelines or nice templates like luminous for example and uh, that's that's already good enough for building a decent web uh, applications enclosure and the work that uh, prismatic guys did with uh, different tooling and build their entire um, application enclosure and there was the circle ci and there are there are a lot of successes uh, building yes. uh, closure applications in the web world and and there actually, is this arachne right uh, yes yeah but actually just going back to a point you made there earlier on about um the the prismatic guys yeah uh, again that's that's hitting on the kind of um data aspects of uh, and, and the dynamic aspects of um, closure yeah um, because obviously the the whole um, they've got this prismatic schema Scheme. thing yeah. they've got a whole they've got a whole bunch of frameworks of course yeah. you know plumbing yeah. and graphs and stuff like this but their big one is or the big one that's been adopted by many people in the community I think is this um, prismatic schema True. actually it's changed its name hasn't it now didn't pris- isn't it called something yeah, else? I think it's called something else because I, well yeah. Well, it, it was technically a very interesting uh, company, but uh, I think they, they moved on to different things now. Uh, I think they're pivoting towards business news or something. I anyway, so. but, yeah. but the point is that whatever this schema thing is called, yeah. it's prismatic or something else. Yeah. Um, those guys are, uh, they're, what they're really doing is they're allowing you to say, okay, if you've got a complicated piece of data that you're passing around your program, um, we can validate it. Now, I don't know if you've done much with it, VJ, but um, I, I was comparing it um, a few, about a month ago um, okay. to JSON Schema yeah. um, at work because they were talking about you know validating things with JSON Schema versus uh, not validating things, and JSON Schema is absolutely terrible compared oh. <laughs> to um, compared to Prismatic. It's so clunky. Yeah. Um, whereas Prismatic Schema is so sweet. It's so easy to describe things. It's so easy just to to add on and to test. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone was sort of falling over themselves to 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 look at this thing, and yeah, it, it's but, but again, different. it's uh, it's difficult to difficult to accept the whole language just for what this one thing. That's true. Um, yeah, but there there are multiple things that 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 drive 
you know, picking a language, right? Of course, there are there, there are different languages for different people. Obviously, uh, it depends on how you think. And, and I think uh, one of the major things that I like about Clojure is that because I, I, I programmed in Java for a long time, almost uh, 10, almost 15 years now, so it, it changes the way you think. So first time when I opened, uh, I think back in 2010, I think uh, when I when I when I was trying to do my first Clojure program, I'm like, okay, I'm so used to these classes and stuff and Hmm. Uh, because the, that that ceremony has been part of how I start a program, you know there, there is a ritual, you know, like dancing around fire that is that is needed before I need to start a program or something. So then, the, the the simplicity of the closure is that you use these tools and then you slowly reach out for the libraries that make more sense and the whole uh, static typing versus dynamic typing thing and and in closure it makes more sense to describe the data and then validate the data schema rather than just giving types there so that that is one thing that, that i really like about schema yeah i think you're right schema, is yeah. that one of the things you don't need is you don't need a whole lot of ceremony up front you don't need to design object hierarchies or yeah um all the kind of um data transfer objects and all this other crud. Yeah. Um, you can just get on with programming stuff, putting yeah. data into maps or into lists or whatever, or as suitable or, or maps inside of lists, inside of vectors, inside of whatever, you know, the kind of usual complicated data hierarchies. Yeah. Um, it becomes a bit tricky when you want to share those structures with other people. You yeah. know, obviously that's the advantage of something like schema and of types in general is that they're really for other people. Yeah, you know? for communicating, um, yeah. For communicating, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, at some point, it's good to do that, but but often you want to just get on with things and feel your way, feel your way towards the solution. Um, be able to do the REPL thing where you can play with forms, play with data, play with structures, and not be constantly having to change the hierarchy or the types. It's just that the ceremony is so flipping annoying. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas with, with closure, you can just get on with things, change the way things are organized, change the way things are looking. You just rerun the program and off you go. And yeah, then yeah. gradually, as, as things stabilize and yeah. solidify, yeah. then you can start to add this kind of documentation that is actually executable. Yeah. around your around your functions and, and then well I, I don't want to make it like you know I'm, I'm purely brainwashing people to use closure or something you know oh, course, that's are, exactly what we're doing come on <laughs> <laughs> I mean there are, there are so many nice things that 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 I think you know that that draws me toward closure and then working on it for example the the whole um, um, asynchronous workflows of closure the, the way you write asynchronous programs you know especially with core async and um, there, there is well. There, there are different ways. You can use uh, a actor-based concurrency, or you can just go very low level and then use the thread-based concurrency, or then sure. you can switch to the uh, channel-based concurrency, which is the CSP uh, communicating sequential processes stuff. And I think um, the the closure uh, channels are, are one of the interesting features that that come up recently, and that is also one of the nice use cases. And especially, I, I'm, I'm not whether. I'm not completely sure whether that is the right way to do in, in closure script world yet, but that, that is also one of the um, things that has been adopted in closure script as well, because you don't have threads, you don't have all this multi-threaded stuff that you have access yeah. to in, in Java, for example. So core async is, is really interesting things to interesting thing to uh, try at least in, in closure. So that is that's what I think. Maybe we'll pick up one show, you know, and then get go do a deep dive into I think that would be. I think that would be really, really good. Yeah. Um, I, I did that myself a little while ago um, because I'm getting, I'm getting very 
kind of interested in in the whole event stream um, world at the moment with Kafka and all these other big data as big data uh, frameworks, and you start thinking about graduating out of um, process channel type things into these larger distributed systems. Yeah. But but obviously, the simple if you can carry on with the simple stuff. The longer, yeah. the longer, the longer, the better. Yeah. Um, and, and Core Async gives you tons of mileage, you know, and it gives you really good ways of thinking about things. But um, but I think yeah, we'll dive into that uh, definitely at one of one of the uh, the future episodes. We'll we'll go deep into Core Async because there's a hell of a lot to talk about there. Yeah. I mean, I think it was, I mean, you know. I don't know if it was really just because Node.js took the world by storm that they started thinking about core async, but I think it was partly motivated by Node.js and by the Go programming language. Um, both of those were basically saying, hey, you know what? We can be a lot more efficient on a single thread and serve a lot more requests yeah. um, with this async model um, than you can in your threaded world, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is the sort of traditional closure um, JVM world. Exactly. Um, you know, and this has been well proven now with with Node and Nginx and Go. Yeah. You can have millions and millions of um, channels uh, of processes, yeah. uh, communicating processes on a single CPU, yeah. uh, with very little overhead. Yeah. So, so I think it's a it's a it's very very interesting world, and maybe we should in a future show we can talk about the various options around it because there's obviously some some positives and some negatives. So of course, yeah, let's yeah. Do that. well, yeah. it's it's with yeah. every every technology, but it, it's it's like knowing the knowing the trade offs makes you you know better, so you know which tool to use at what point. But the, but you brought up a very interesting point, like the closure script world, why it is picking up and why. I, more and more, I see people getting attracted to closure because of the closure script. So that is also something that that um, brings more more people into the closure world because because of the way that the developer tooling is set up in closure, for example. Yes, I think that yes. we were talking about Figwheel some time ago. Hmm. So yeah, I think Bruce Harmon has done an awesome, incredible job. You know, props out to that guy because uh, he's he's doing great work. Uh, we've seen a few of his presentations now at the various conferences. Yeah. Um, and obviously, David Nolan has been a total star in terms of getting the JavaScript um, community fired up for ClojureScript yeah. advocating out there on all these various conferences. Um, and they've, those guys are doing a great job. And Mike Fikes, of course, in the, yeah. uh, in the native world. Exactly. He's bringing the ClojureScript to Mac and even iPhone. And it was super awesome because last time at a meetup, I was just showing Clojure on an iPad now, thanks to him. <laughs> Actually, uh, so was I. I was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I demonstrated that exactly this week because yeah. uh, I've got an iPad Pro, so I was showing like how to edit edit um, Closure using this uh, Textastic, which is an yeah. iPad app that has Closure syntax highlighting. Sweet. And then you can just copy and paste side by side into the um, the replete REPL that, yeah. that Mike has done. Um, yeah, and it's it's really fantastic. You know, I mean, yeah. of course, it's not really going to substitute for your for your uh, desktop development uh, environment yet, but uh, but it's a great proof of concept. You know, it's a great proof that you know if you want to, you know, write stuff at a REPL on an airplane, it's totally possible now. Of course, and and if you see the way uh, ClojureScript has adopted the whole um, React uh, framework from JavaScript, which which has become like a more de facto standard for ClojureScript right these days. And there are tons of wrappers for React or, or the libraries that use React, uh, yes. especially being Ohm and then Ohm has been rethought again. And that is the 
I don't know, the trailblazer or the frontier or I don't know what, what you call that, the first ever pioneer, probably that's the right word. So pioneering the, the React um, um, wave. And then there was this reagent and then uh, a lot of other libraries which are using um, React and then bring bring closure power and then um, bring it into the into the React world. Uh, that, that's I think that is one of the major attractions for closure script right now mm. in terms of the libraries. Yeah, I think actually as well, what's, what's really interesting is the, the impact that Om and Omnex and really David Nolan, I think, has had on the ClojureScript world. Because uh, obviously there's him and then there's the, the Elm guys as well. Um, but they're, they're really making the, the React guys and the Facebook guys and the whole kind of JavaScript um, community think again about yeah. what it means to, to do big apps in JavaScript. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting to me, I don't know if you uh, have followed the kind of, obviously Facebook have got this immutable JS now as well. So they've got their own version of persistent immutable collections um, that's based around the, the stuff that David Nolan did. Um, but they've also got this, this language called Flow. Have yeah. you seen this? Yeah, I think I, I read about it, I think two, two, three weeks ago or something. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's kind of weird to me because it's, Kind of like, well, actually, you're you're not no longer just using JavaScript anymore. They're trying to do this typing thing, um, but at what at some point, I think the whole React ecosystem is kind of really kind of coming so close to ClojureScript yep. that you might as well just take ClojureScript because it's got everything already. Yep. Um, it's kind of standard. Like you said earlier, it's the default for many things. You know, many things in the ClojureScript world are defaulted to be good. Whereas if you're if you're adopting the whole React, Redux, Flow thing yep. from Facebook, yep. well, that's great. But as a team, you're kind of it's a dangerous place to be because that team can start to bring in all kinds of weird and wonderful JavaScript stuff. And, you know, you're having to enforce good discipline on the team yeah. uh, at all times. Whereas if you go with ClojureScript, then the kind of discipline comes out of a language. Yeah, that's and true. You can just get on with stuff. Yeah. And also the, the other types of frameworks like Hoplon and there are some, um, of course. I'm a big fan, a big yeah. fan of Hoplon. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I didn't I, play with it though. Uh, I, I was more looking into the uh, React related things more, more, most of the time. No, well, I mean, uh, I've done a few things, uh, even committed a few, uh, uh, a few examples to the to the Hoplon repository. Nice. And uh, those guys are doing incredibly good work over there as well. They're taking yeah. a very different approach to the to the React guys. They're they're going more multi atom. So. They're going spreadsheet style, so you can have this concept of um, a formula cell where you, uh, sorry, a value cell where you put information and data, then you have these formula cells where you essentially watch the, the, the data cells and you put functions in the formula cells. So you can have this properly reactive programming model and you get these dependency networks um, and it, it, you know, it feels like you can really build excel style spreadsheets or complex workflows um on much smaller pieces um and in a different way than with react yeah i think that's the availability of different kinds of libraries and different kinds of thinking that's pretty awesome and also as you were pointing out upload is like lisp everywhere so everything is just basically lisp lisp driven and 
HTML. Yeah, they're really they're really thinking about the 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 designers as well. So you can actually write um, you can just use HTML actually. You can you if you if you're a programmer you can you can write HTML as Lisp. Yeah. Or but Hoplon also will just consume HTML. So if you're a designer and you're just doing HTML and CSS, yeah. then you can still use those tools. But if yeah. you're a programmer and you want to extend the DOM then it's more kind of I don't want to say it's Angular styley because mm. it's not really like Angular because I'm not a big fan of Angular <laughs> but in the sense that you can extend the the DOM uh, with Lisp uh, then it is a bit like Angular but yeah, uh, yeah. but I find that a kind of odd 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 kind of uh, well, comparison but like... certainly the concept of being able to just put functions and just you know add components in where you want them uh, and extend the, the the DOM as you wish then. This this Hoplon H Lisp it's called is is really incredible. Nice, and uh, of course, I mean we we need to uh, talk about the the latest developments as well. Like uh, as I was mentioning to you the other day, um, there is this Electron which is you can use it to build desktop applications. And that is the core of Atom, and that is in JavaScript. Yes. And and nowadays you can build even a desktop application in Closure Script because there is so that you can use Closure uh, as we were pointing out the use cases you know for big data and building the standard uh, web applications. And um, if you want to write a nice um, concurrent program, you can use that for, for that too. And then there is web applications, obviously using uh, completely closure scripts, right? Uh, spas or single page applications, you know, very rich internet applications and using Ohm and Reagent. And also now you can build uh, complete pure desktop applications because the more and more I see every application is now written in um, the web applications especially, and they have a web, uh, a native application, which is essentially a wrapper around the web application, so you can use reuse the same code. For yes, example, Node.js Slack. basically, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. So Slack and HipChat and all these sorts of applications. Nowadays, there is a lot of uh, applications built using the Electron shell, and the, the, the code that drives it is essentially JavaScript. That means you can use ClojureScript to build desktop applications now, which is, which is pretty yeah. interesting. Actually, as an aside, you just reminded me there of uh, of the blog post I saw a few months ago. Actually, which was that you remember um, the AWS lambdas? Yeah, um, yeah. These are these are a thing of beauty. I've got to say, and we've yeah. been we've been using them at work for for actually since they since they were in beta even, mm-hmm. um, because they're such an exciting concept. Um, but what's interesting about them is that you know their first in, their first instance was r- running Node, and now of course you can actually. Like you say, with Electron, you can also write your closure script and deploy your closure script as to, to the Lambda as well. And um, that's actually a nicer use case than for the Java VM because your Lambdas are smaller and faster and lighter weight. Yeah, yeah. So I think there, there are lots of use cases now. I think we have plenty of um, libraries to talk about in the upcoming shows. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's, it's going to be good. I think uh, there's a lot of great stuff. Yeah. Um, but what what we should do is we should just quickly talk about the community because I think that's the one thing that that sells closure to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I think that I, I don't know about you, but uh, I've been involved in other programming languages community for a long time, okay. and uh, I've never never really had a more friendly, welcoming community than than I've experienced with Closure Script and Closure. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I've been uh, idling on not idling essentially. I mean, I, I've been on. Um, IRC channel since the beginning, well, most of the time. Uh, and then I see the way people interact with each other and helping each other. And, and there were a lot of questions that, that I had in the beginning and the way they they talk to each other. And even the closure community here in the Netherlands, you know, the, when I interact with them, 
it's a completely different experience i mean they i think you can see that in in the way people think in the way they they uh, interact with each other and the mailing list of course and there is still um uh, i don't know i'm i'm i i like the languages which have this you know bdfl sort of thing like benevolent dictator for life you know <laughs> so so you're I, a fan I, of Perl, are you? <laughs> uh, well, I, I don't consider Larry Wall to be a dictator type of person, though. Uh, at least well, it's not—it's not a committee. And and I, I've been on Perl monks, you know. That—that that was a long time ago. And, right, right, right. Perl is another interesting language, and it, it turned out to be something pretty new these days with Perl six. But anyway, it's—it's yeah. it's not about Perl, though. So I mean, from the community point of view, I think it's—it's it's really great the way the conferences are organized, and of course, the, all the work Alex Miller is doing. Um, with with the Euro closure and all the closure conferences there, it's it's just fantastic. I mean, I completely agree with you. Yeah, I think it's really interesting to also. I mean, you can have it with other languages as well, but you see um, these conferences where people are standing up, um, yeah. and the variety of talks and the amount of innovation that's going on in closure is just incredible. I think yeah. um, you know people are looking at. All kinds of things to do with typing systems, to do with data structures, to yeah. do with live coding. Like you say, it's a very complete end-to-end solution. And yeah. you've got what I find also interesting is you've got an interesting mix of kind of practical and academic research going on at the same time. You know, it's it's definitely closure and closure script to me are very, very practical languages, which is somewhat unusual for a Lisp, actually, I think. Um, yeah. which have tended to be quite academic, quite locked in their AI world in the past. Um, and I think what's interesting about Clojure is bringing that kind of stuff out of the AI wardrobe and applying it to to more, I wouldn't say banal, but more straightforward use cases. Yeah, they're like um, the 90% of the programming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And actually, you know, I remember seeing uh, a talk a while ago years ago actually at a, at a conference in in london um where one of the guys from nokia was talking about web programming and how you know you you fill out a form you you put some JSON in a form um you do some get it off the net store it in a database and then get it back out again and and you look at the kind of frameworks that you've got in Clojure, uh, in uh, in Java to do yeah. this kind of stuff, and it's like thousands of lines for every stage of that particular pipeline, and <laughs> you can do it in a hundred lines in Clojure, yeah, uh, and then suddenly it's thing. wow, it's fantastic. You know, these kind of things are are actually achievable by by standard people. So Lisp is no longer this kind of elite, um, rarefied thing. You know, it's actually accessible. And I think that's what that's what I find anyway, because yeah, I'm not some kind of towering genius. I mean, uh, I mean, it's the same. You shouldn't say, of course, that. You should say, yeah, well, you are no, really, no, no. but, you know. <laughs> what, what I meant was, of course, <laughs> it's the same situation for me. You didn't, you didn't let me finish that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> But yeah, I mean that, that that's the nicest thing with 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 closure that um, I find it fascinating that the simplicity is not just for the demo programs. It, it's the simplicity scales up if I say it right. I don't know how to say that. You know, it, it can still be simple when you being build large programs, which is very very interesting in closure for me. Actually, you make a good point there because I think what's interesting is that you see, a lot of people with various languages they show you these kind of demo programs. Exactly. And yeah. It doesn't go beyond that. It, yeah. Actually, what you learn in the demo is not applicable more broadly. Yeah. Um, 
so you know you kind of like oh right i know how to do this in a demo but but what generally did i learn and so actually what's interesting about closure uh, as as a as a concept and, and lisp in general of course is that yeah everything that you learn in your demos you just take it further you just take it further because it's essentially all the same you know the syntax is very similar very consistent and then really you're free to 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 riff on libraries and stuff like that yeah uh, right. Okay. So yeah. I don't know. I think that was a bit of a whirlwind introduction. Do you think that was probably enough? Yeah, I think so. I think we we at least expressed our passion towards closure and why why we think <laughs> closure is uh, important for us. I uh, hopefully you know um, from the next uh, shows, I think we should deep dive into different libraries or perhaps you know uh, what is happening around closure. So maybe we should we should explain some practical things like where are we going to put this up. Right. Okay. So yeah, there's a there's a few moving parts, isn't there? But uh, so we're gonna have a, a website. Yeah. Uh, we've got defn.audio, um, which has a, well that that will have a link to the to the podcast, of course, with the show notes and stuff like that. I mean, I say show notes. We we kind of I don't know if we'll have any for this one. Um, yeah, probably but, I will just add some summary. You know what what we discussed. But most of the time, I think we'll we'll try to add. Uh, if we discussed a specific blog post or if we discussed yes. a specific uh, library, we'll just post uh, the stuff there. And, yes, uh, and we can't actually read out the code during the during the show. So <laughs> if we if we ah, oh, <laughs> so it will be something All like parentheses death and hello world. <laughs> that would be stupid. Um, but otherwise, I think we, we we'd like to post uh, the show notes with uh, links and interesting stuff that we discussed about. That, that I think that is, that will be the central point of people getting in touch with us. And yeah. Also, I think we we've created a Twitter account as well, so a Defn Podcast. We yeah. can have Twitter, and I think it would be great to have some conversations there. Yeah. Um, that's probably going to be the easiest place for people to give feedback. Actually. Yeah. Um, maybe it's on Reddit also. We'll see. I, I must yeah, admit, I'm not I'll, a I'll great. I'll post uh, this to the closure Reddit. Yeah. And then see uh, what 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 people think. If if any of you guys are listening, um, this is the first time we are doing this, or at least you know, I'm doing this, and I, I think the same. I can speak for Ray as well. Absolutely, yeah. I think we'd we'd love to get more feedback on this. I understand this this episode is more uh, uh, kind of a very bird's eye view level stuff, but we hope to get into as we explained in the show format. Uh, we'll we'll make it much more interesting in, in the coming episodes, uh, deep diving into. And um, we'd also um, probably join Slack, uh, the Closure in Slack. If you don't know it, uh, there is a huge community, um, more than I think even 4,000 members now on Slack right now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's getting beyond the Slack limits. And I think that's what people are, people are getting frightened about that now. Exactly. Uh, so there is a 10,000 limit or something on, on Slack. Yeah, I think so. Well, at least for the messages, we cannot uh, go back to the history. And um, of course, there is IRC always and... We'll, yeah. be, we'll be there on Slack and um, slacking. Uh, yeah, and, Slack, and it, Slack, Slack's turning out to be a bit of a nightmare. I think. I mean, it's a beautiful thing, but yeah. uh, but it's actually annoying that you that it's limited in terms of its messages and its its sort of funding of open source and these kind of things. It's so true. maybe we'll see how that works out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you're right. We should post something on there at least. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, as well, this thing's going to be on iTunes. Uh, we're going to post it on SoundCloud to do the hosting, and then we'll link that through to iTunes so that people can get it on their favorite podcasters or podcatchers, whatever they're called. Yeah. Um, 
But just a shout out to guys. Uh, it would be really good if you do get through iTunes and you can go to the store and rate us because my understanding from other podcasts is that if you rate the podcast in iTunes, then that puts us up the lists. So that gets the word out a bit more strongly. Yeah, of course. And, and we'd love to hear the feedback. I mean, some, of course, we sometimes we, we have our own personal opinions, so that will slip through the things. And we'd like to know what you guys think and uh, let us know uh, your feedback. And as, as Ray was saying, would be nice if you can give us some rating and um, give the feedback in the upcoming shows and, and follow us on Twitter at Defen Podcast. I think that would be an um, awesome opportunity for us to learn from you guys as well. Yeah, that would be really good. Okay, so I guess we should just wrap it up finally with uh, what we're going to talk about next. Yeah. And we're going to do a bit of a deep dive into something that I think is um, maybe it's a bit a bit odd but we started the program with the REPL and um, that was one of the first things that I think both of us were really strong in saying that the REPL is a key to closure and the, and the foundation of the REPL is this uh, the reader um, so I think next week next week next fortnight next whenever yeah. uh, we're going to have a, a, a discussion about uh, the closure reader and what it is what it does, what the various implementation options are, how it's used around the various libraries, and maybe there's also some general controversies around user-defined reader macros and yeah. how they've, you know, what the history of those are. And, and so a general more of a deep dive into one particular feature of, uh, of Clojure. Yeah, so next week it will be the reader. So that will be the first, um, probably the first deep dive uh, uh, Episode of our podcast, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, thank you, VJ. I think it's thank been you. a it's been a good episode. We're in like forty five minutes in now, so yeah. I think we've given uh, we're given enough content for this one. Yeah. Like you say, we'll try and keep it under an hour. Um, so next time around, in a few weeks, we'll have a discussion about the reader. Maybe some some follow up to this first episode. See what people are saying out on the uh, the various social networks. Yeah. Um, and and that's it. Any any last words from you, VJ? Uh, that's it. I'm I'm actually looking forward to you know doing this um, every two weeks. Um, hopefully, we'll we'll keep this up. And the yeah. next time we'll we'll discuss about reader. And um, I, I maybe I'll have some reading to do. And oh, <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> So that'll be fun. Uh, so uh, hopefully if, um, people who are, who are listening uh, to this uh, will see you next time. All right. Cheers. Bye.